And then what are my mindsets about needs and tenderness? So if I have a mindset that says, uh, when my kid cries for a long time, they're being spoiled and selfish, my child will not have a secure experience with me because they won't be able to fully express their dysregulation without shame. If I have a mindset that says, I am going to do my best to be here for you, to provide structure for you, to provide support for you. If I can hold boundaries, even though you don't want them or like them, then your children will experience security with you. Um, Do I believe I'm worthy of love and care and support? If I don't believe that, it's real hard to offer it to my kids. It's a brand new day. Parent Podcast. I am so excited that you've decided to tune in today as we discuss secure attachment with the amazing Eli Harwood at Attachment Nerd on all of the social medias. Uh, before we jump right into our conversation with Eli, I'm not going to stop us in the middle to remind you, as I normally do, to rate and review this podcast on whatever podcasting app you're listening to it on. Uh, I'm instead, I'm just going to do that right now. And so, Uh, If you have not taken the opportunity to do this yet, please, it would be an amazing service that you could provide to me to just go wherever you listen to this podcast, Spotify, Apple, even YouTube, and rate and review this podcast. It helps so many other people find this podcast, other parents who are seeking information about attachment, but also, or, or anything else related to parenting, really. Um, and so if you can do that, I would be so grateful, so, so grateful. And I read every single review that we get, whether it's on Spotify, like I said, or Apple Podcasts or wherever. I read all the reviews. And so it's your way to let me know what you're liking from the podcast, what you'd like to see more of, and yeah, connect with your parenting deeper. So without further ado, I am going to welcome in to discuss secure attachment, how we build it, and all of that other good, awesome attachment, juicy goodness Eli Harwood. So Eli, introduce yourself. Who are you? I'm Eli. I'm a mom of three little rugrats. I'm a therapist. I'm obsessed with attachment research and I'm on a mission to try and help as many people as possible build secure connections with the people that matter most in their lives. That was so succinct. And you're also apparently very, (laughs) very good at talking about what you like. Three little rugrats, but (laughs) but two of them are are special because they're the same Mm -hmm. age. You were also yep, a mom to they twins, were, right? Yeah, they were womb mates, and now they're roommates. There you go. <laughs> you, can, you can keep that, keep that for it. Roommates and roommates. Roommates and roommates. Yes. And you know, I we have a lot of dads who listen to this podcast, and that's like a, just a great dad joke. I'm such you know? a dad joke person. I love them so much. I love giving them. I love receiving them. Like, I'm all about the dad joke. I was going to say, like, you know, it's it's really harmful to embarrass your kids. <laughs> mm. But do you ever <laughs> tell jokes that embarrass your Okay, kids? so my son is a like tiny old man. And so he loves dad jokes. So he like one of his favorite things to get for birthdays and Christmas is, is like these terrible joke books, which for me is like the equivalent of what we used to get on mm. Laffy Taffy's, you know, and I would, I mean, yes. I milked those for years. Like, um, you know, what is the pirate movie rated? Uh, yeah right like that just works for me it works for him so i haven't but my daughters aren't too young to get all of the jokes yet so we'll see what 
I embarrass him in a sure. myriad of other ways, but I, he's like into the dad jokes That's right. for now. So dressing up in costumes in front of millions of people. <laughs> he's ambivalent. He's ambivalent <laughs> about it. He le- there's some one part of it that he's really into. Like he likes, he'll ask to watch the videos where I dress up and pretend to be a toddler. Those are his jam. He just thinks it's so funny. Oh, um, okay. But like dancing in public. But not when you're like the honey badger. Dancing in public, oh, okay, super okay, embarrassing. Okay. Talking much in public, super embarrassing. Too many like kisses and hugs in public. Mom, mom. Actually, it's it's actually Stop. has transformed to bra, 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 bra. No, no, not now. Man, he's not. He's almost nine. It's not having this. it. Drop me off around the block. Drop me off around the block. You can tell me you love me there. Let me there's, walk. The there's last still 50 an feet. intermittent desire. Like there are still days where he's like, "Aren't you getting out of the car? Are you walking me to the line at the bus stop?" And I'm like, "Oh, sure." Like like yesterday, you were like, "No thanks." So it's still, we're still in and out of it. The hormones are just turning on. It'll be interesting to see what happens next. All right. Well, I guess this kind of leads us to our first question that I have for you this afternoon. (laughs) When, for those listening this morning, uh, most people listen to the podcast in the morning, which is cool. All right, here we go. So first question for you, how can parents, but especially those parents who don't have secure attachment, who weren't ever securely attached to their caregivers, how can they build that attachment with their Okay, I'm going to answer this in three simple blocks of information. For those of you that are still ingesting your coffee and it hasn't yet quite hit your brain and you're only a little bit fuzzy still. The first is in creating... I think that's I think that's just life as a parent, by the way. I don't think that that's like, you know, it's like, I, I don't think that has anything to do with coffee. That's just like parent yes. of child. No, that's brain, right. Fuzzy. And there are varying degrees yes. of fuzziness. Three blocks. Right? Like there's like, it's so fuzzy. I can't hear or <laughs> see anything happening in front of me. And then there's like tired yes. fuzzy. And then there's, yeah. Okay. So you know how there used to be those commercials about the 2 PM feeling? That's my 2 AM <laughs> feeling. You ever get that 2 PM feeling? No, but I, I got that 2 AM feeling. Okay. Squirrel. Three blocks. Three blocks. Three blocks. So the first is you want to create synchronicity with your kids. So what does it look like if you're an instrument and they're an instrument to find that place where you vibrate in synchronicity so that the sound is lovely, right? And that happens in different Mm. domains. So we want to be in sync with our children and their joy and their delight and their curiosity in the world. If they're studying a bug, you know, we want to allow our nervous system to enter that curious state with them. Like, what is it? Oh, it's blue. What does that mm. look like? Because that nervous system connection of I feel your vibe and you're vibing me is mm. one of the most powerful parts to bonding. Right. And and we we experience that mm. with people, you know, when, when we don't even know them. But there's something about that repeated experience of synchronicity. Like, ooh, that, this person is with me. I also love the word withness, like creating a withness in our child's experience of the world. Mm. So we want to be with them in those, you know, happy, curious, delightful moments. But we also want to be with them in their tender moments, right? So that they can feel mm. that we are attuning to what it is they're feeling. And I like to describe this as taking a tiny sip of their feelings, So we don't want to chug what's going on in their dysregulated bodies when they're tender, because then now we're a tender bug and they're a tender bug. And we just added tenderness to the room in a way that will not help them feel safe, regulated and supported. Instead, we want to take 
just enough that they can feel we feel them. We also don't want to do the opposite where we guard ourselves off from what they're feeling, trying to take them out of their feelings because then they feel dismissed and alone and isolated in that body state. Mm. So we're creating synchronicity by going, oh, you're sad. I know what it's like to feel sad. I'm going to allow my body to experience your, a sip of your sadness so that now you can feel mm. that I'm with you and you're experiencing this synchronicity and this withness. And we can do that with our facial expressions, mm. right? If our kid's going, ooh, you know, and I just made a sad face, then we want to respond back to them with a compassionate face. You know, our face should get squishy. If their face is squishy, mm. our face should be squishy too. And there should be a sense that mm. they're being mirrored back. Their internal state is being mirrored back on our external expressions and the way our body posture is with them. Mm. So we're doing what we can to get in sync. And the sec, yeah. You know, before you, before you move on, I feel like I have Ooh. a really good metaphor for this. And I wonder if, I wonder if this would be helpful for you, but also for, so as you're speaking, you talked about musical mm -hmm. instruments and resonance yes. is what yep. I'm hearing. Right. And the concept of resonance in musical instruments, I grew up okay. playing a stringed instrument for 15 years. I played the okay. upright bass. And one of those, one of these aspects of how, you know, you're in tune when you're playing, for example, uh -huh. an A mm -hmm. on the G string of your, of your bass or on the D string, when you're playing an A is that the A string, the open A string vibrates, but it makes like the lowest, most bass level mm. harmonic tone. So you, harmonic tone. So you don't actually hear it. The, the note is being mm. played much louder out on the note that you're stringing or on the note that you're plucking, but it does resonate with that. So if you have, so, so if you match up, you're, you're kind of in a way the open, yes. you're the open string, right? And so when your kid goes big and they go loud and that. they go big with their emotions, you're yes. resonating with them. You're not overpowering. You're not taking over the room. You're not imposing your mm -hmm. own emotional baggage, but mm -hmm. you are humming a little bit just so that they know I'm yes. in sync with you. Does that, does that totally. work in your metaphor? Totally. I mean, it's, well? and, you know, I could get real okay. hippy dippy and like talk about energy and like the, that like vibration is energy, right? Like the idea of like, what sure. is happening in this moment? Am I able to come in and connect enough, enough mm. that you can feel felt, seen, heard, understood, and confident in my ability to then regulate you, support you, celebrate you, whatever it is you're needing in that moment, that my calm, confident, connected self can be a scaffolding for you in your development. Yes. Well, and yeah, and I don't want to get like too hung up here, but I feel like this is where yes. a lot of parents go off the rails is that they, they either are like, I have to throw up this wall because I'm so not, you know, whether they, they, because they didn't have secure attachment yes. because they're not, they don't have, you know, emotional training, emotional intelligence. They throw up this huge wall and they say like, I can't go there mm. with you because if I start to go yeah. there, I'll go there. Like if I start to go down the hill, I'm, I'm thinking about my brother and I just learned, I just taught my, my nephew and my son ah, how to ski how last weekend. It was fun. It was fun. And my nephew is much older. He's like 12, 13, just turned 13. And, and my son is seven. And so I taught them, you know, mm -hmm. twice his age. I taught them both how to ski at the same time. And my brother is skiing with my, my nephew, but my brother has only gone skiing okay. like once in his life. So he, so he can't slow mm. down or stop. He has to focus on him. And so if his son starts to go yeah, down, how can he help him? He just has to go full. He can't help him. He just got to go mm -hmm. flying past him. So I'm the one who like, because I've skied enough, I can just control mm -hmm. my body. I can stop on a dime in the middle mm -hmm. of a steep hill. 
and I can pick up a kid and I can help. But, but there's this fear, I think for many parents who haven't done their work that if they start to go at all, if they start to resonate and get synchronous in any way, they're going to go. They don't know what will happen. It's it's the unknown, right? So there's been a a coping mechanism that's happened over the years um, that either, whether it's dismissive or it's anxious, but there's a coping that is adaptive in an insecure environment that, that now Mm. in a, parental role where you're trying to create security is getting in the way, um, which leads me to my second block. Sure. So let's go, let's move it in. Let's. Yeah, so the yeah, second let's block go. is we have to have done some work on processing our own childhood attachment experiences. So if hmm. we want to offer our children security, we have to unload our own baggage so that we aren't unconsciously handing it down to them. If I have hmm. never thought about what was my relationship like with my caregivers, with my mother, with my father, with whoever parented me, foster parents, if I haven't reflected on that, and I haven't also allowed myself to acknowledge the inherent emotional tenderness in my experiences, be they positive or negative, hmm. I will house those experiences in my nervous system and my children will feel it. I have a chapter in my new Mm. book that's coming out in the fall where I, the whole chapter is titled, they will feel what you don't heal. And so even Mm. though we want to be like, okay, I don't want to do what my parents did. I don't want to be like that. I'm going to give my kids something different. We can do all the steps, right? We can get all the scripts. We can follow, you know, the whole parent and get all the things we we know we need about what we should be doing, what we should be saying, what we should be doing. But if we have not released some of the insecurity, the pain, maybe the anger, the anxiety that we inherited in our childhood experiences, they just stay active and they come out sideways in our present moment. And our kids will avoid the areas in us that are unhealed mm. and unwell, because they will sense that we don't know how to put on our brakes, that, that we, they can't rely on us. We're going to ski right past them mm. or right over them. Right. 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 That's super, so, super second helpful. block. That's um, super and for helpful. anyone who's listening, that's my first book securely attached is I created a workbook that is like, here's how you do this. Here's the questions. Here's how you yes. c- create these, cultivate these relationships with other adults in your life so that your children don't have to parent parent you in some way parent you anyway or parent right. you parent they they don't have to they don't have to raise you well and it's a be- it's not only a beautifully written book it's also a beautifully <laughs> designed book it's Thank just you. a joy it's a Aww. joy to go through and hold in your Thank hand you. so so please yeah i'll i'm i'll Perfect. link it in the show notes okay. i think i'd rather do that um okay yeah. so so we've done synchronicity and we've done working through our stuff, right? And unpiling our baggage. And then block three yes. is we have to become skilled repairers. We have to become gifted hmm. at recognizing when disconnection is happening, when rupture is happening, when misattunement is happening, and be the leaders of the, that repair within the relationship with our kids. So I am having mm. rough bedtimes these days. Twin four-year-olds, highly sensitive kid. My highly mm. sensitive eight and a half-year-old wants me to read. They're all in mama mode. So everyone wants me. There's just like an intensity. Yep. And so I get off in terms of my attunement, in terms of my synchronicity in those moments for multiple reasons. I'm so tired. I just want to go to bed, right? Go the bleep to sleep. 
please. Mm. Right. My stuff. Right. Um, and there's an evolutionary thing happening there too, I think, which is separation and dark, you know, children are going to go up in anxiety because they're like, this is definitely the time in which I will be eaten by a tiger. So probably I should cling to you for dear life. And I'm like, probably just close your eyes instead. And I'm going to go into the kitchen (laughs) and have a moment. So anyway, so this is a point for me in a regularity, probably daily where I experience rupture, misattunement and disconnection with my kids. And I do what I can to try and adjust the schedule and do all those things. But it's my job when I recognize that we're off track to lean into my little sensory seeker, Remy, who's been hanging off the rafters quite literally. Um, And I've gotten like Remy enough (laughs) because I'm losing it. Yep. It's my job to then come back and go, hi, honey. I know. I know it's really hard for you to calm down your body. I love it. I'm sorry. Mama was so harsh. And she'll say, yeah, you're so harsh. And I'll say, yeah, Mama's really frustrated. I asked you not to hang on the rafters, and then I got frustrated, and we're having, wow. and and that I'm 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 tuning. I'm I'm noticing that you know the string has been wound the wrong way, too tight usually for me, and I have to unwind it yep. a little bit and a little bit and a little bit until mm-hmm. I can sense that our vibrations are back in into that same space. Um, I have a long term plan right. of. Um, creating a therapy fund for my kids, you know, so that when they're like, Hey, I've got some stuff going on. I'm going to therapy. I'm like, great. Here, here you are. Here's some cash to help you with that. If I can. Um, but also really to be the type of parent that doesn't burden their children with the expectation that they feel good about their childhood. They're going to feel however they Mm -hmm. want to feel about their childhood. And later on, you know, they're going to have things to say to me about like, Hey, this moment you really dropped the ball or we really hated that you did that. Or, my my eight year old already. When I ask him certain questions, will go, "Oh, having a therapist for a mom." And I'm like, "What is that? What's that mm. for you?" And he's like, "You're always trying to get into my business." <laughs> yeah, no. When you when you ask, tell me tell me more about yes. that. He's Every, like, well, "Everything right I there. do gets attributed to my career, right?" And how annoying to have a mother who's like somehow weirdly internet famous and, and in the realm of parenting, and he has ideas of what that means anyway, but they're going to have complaints. And my job that, that in creating security, my job is to be able to tolerate and handle that feedback from them without, you know, collapsing on myself and going, I'm a terrible parent or collapsing on them and going, you have it all wrong. You're ungrateful. You missed it. Right. So I think if every parent can do those three things, work on synchronicity, work on releasing the pain Mm -hmm. you experienced in your childhood, and then get, very good at saying, I'm so sorry. Let's try this again. And I'm going to reconnect and repair. You'll do fine. Your kids will do fine. Well, and I think that, you know, it's, it's just, it's a game of averages Mm -hmm. too. And I think that this is where a lot of parents mess this up in their head. They, they get in their head that it's about being synchronous a hundred percent of the time. It's about being attuned a hundred percent of the time. It's about, you know, never be doing all of your self work. I, I hear this from parents all the time, which is so it's it's so funny to me. Um, mm-hmm. Not like haha funny, but just like oh, you'll learn. Funny is a lot of parents say like a lot of twenty uh, year olds, twenty five year olds, thirty year olds before they're uh, having get mm-hmm. maybe they just got married or maybe they're even mm-hmm. waiting to get married, and or or they never plan on being married, but they're they're planning on having kids. They say they say things like, "Well, I'm not ready to have kids yet because mm-hmm. I have to do all of my work." 
before I have kids to which I just want to respond. Oh no, sweetie, you're going to do your work when you have kids. Like that's, that's, you're not healed. Yeah. You can do some of your work and you're, our children sure. are heat seeking. I'm trying not to use any war analogies these days, but they they're they're heat seeking yeah. beings. They will find whatever it is inside of us that we need to grow or mature or heal. And and a lot yep. of that we can't actually even uncover until we are in those spaces with them. And that is when it arises. Well, <clears throat> And what's crazy, you know, I I don't know if you've read it yet, but Aliza Pressman just wrote this book, oh. Five Principles of Parenting. I haven't read it. I didn't you, buy it. You're, you're, so I yours. have it and I like started skimming through it. Okay. You have it. Okay. So in, in that, she's talking about kind of the up, most up-to-date research into mm. uh, neuroplasticity. And specifically, which is what she highlights, which is something that I'm going to have to you know, add to my book. I, I, I'm okay. getting it back in a couple of days myself so that I can start editing again. But um, one of the things that she's that she's added mm-hmm. to that book or she's kind of brought to light at least for me is that you know you have these three periods of like mm-hmm. immense neuroplasticity the first one's in toddlerhood the second one's in teenage the third one they're now <gasps> finding is is post <gasps> post having kids what so that, this is incredible yeah so you have this you have this like tremendous yes. period of neural adaptivity and growth oh, and pruning my goodness. that happens which kind of uncovers for us why we kind of have that postpartum mm. or perinatal like oh i feel yeah. like fuzzy it's like no actually you're going through like immense neural development and so so it's not surprising that our kids mm-hmm. like bring that out in us because we're we're kind of primed to do mm-hmm. that work in those moments and so it's not like you know shafali has been saying this for years mm-hmm. from like a spiritual you know metaphysical perspective but that our kids become these mirrors mm-hmm. that then we can grow but because we're we are reflecting ourselves our childhood yeah. self back to ourselves. um but but now it's being you know in the fleshed out in the in the research that like oh no actually also like physically yeah. physically anatomically i love this, this is I, what's I always use the language time. of saying that parenting or parenthood is its own developmental stage and the myth is that we are developed yes. and our children are developing. And the reality is that we are co-developing in this experience together. And that, and that secure attachment from a parent-child dynamic is a parent who is adapting and learning in their own body and their own nervous right. system at the same time that the child is growing and changing. We're growing and changing together. Right. Um, and that feels vulnerable, I think. I think, right. you know, in Western culture, we just, we love to have the answers. We want the static sense of like this is ours and we can have control over it and the truth is there is no control right we don't have control from the get-go yeah we've influence right right we don't have control we have some what we have some influence even you know and i think that there's there's even an aspect of like you know there's there's also the the concept of you know what do you do and i mean this Mm -hmm. is i guess another question for you but what do you do when you just don't find yourself mm. resonating with your kids. I mean, this is a question that I get mm-hmm. all the time on, on, you know, I talk about playing with yes. kids or the importance of, you know, creative play or, you know, therapeutic play with kids. And this mm-hmm. is where they're going to tell you stuff. And parents will come back to me and just like, mm-hmm. I just don't like it. I just don't, I don't, I don't want to rough house. And all my kid wants to do is rough house. All my kid wants to do is play Minecraft. And I don't like Minecraft mm-hmm. or I don't know how to do that. Or all my kid wants to do is this. And it's just like, I, I can't force myself to do that. So what do you do when you're just resonating at a different frequency? Well, I love this question because it's a 
part of parenthood. I don't know anyone who would say, I always resonated with all my children all the time. It's part of the process. Mm -hmm. So I would say one, um, ask yourself the question, is this an area of growth for me? So what's in the way here? Is it just simply we're wired different, our personalities are different, you know, this kid came out the gate, you know, in a, in a very different temperament than I have? Um, or is there something here of I've, sh- I at some point shut myself off from a very particular vibration of life because I didn't think I was good at it or I wasn't praised for mm. it or it scares me in some way. Um, so like, is this a place where I can grow? Um, if it's not, if I, if you just kind of generally are like, no, I just think it's not my jam. Then you go, oh, okay, there's a lot of things about parenting that aren't our jam that we do anyway, right? Like staying up in the middle of the night, not my jam, but I do it because my children need me to. So how can I make this bearable and tolerable in such a way that I can engage to some degree? And I I do with myself, I'll just set little five minute timers with my kids on stuff like that, you know, because... I'm not an imaginative Mm. play person. I want to play dress up. I want to move my body. I'm like, I'm more of a seeker of, of action. Um, but my kids right now are in stages Mm. where they want to just take the Barbie and the Barbie's just talking to the other Barbie or the dinosaur. And I'm like, I want to poke my eye out right now because this is so boring for me. I just, it doesn't stimulate me enough. And so I will say to my kids, five minute timer. And that helps me go, okay, I can do this for five minutes. I can't do this without a a sense of when it will end, but I can do it for five minutes. And then we come up with a plan for what we're going to do next. So for five minutes, let's do this. And then I'm going to cook dinner and I'd love for you to help me chop celery in the kitchen. Or you can continue playing, imaginative play with each other or by yourselves. Um, And it's, you know, it creates the sense for our kids that, yeah, mom plays with me sometimes. Um, but it also doesn't create kind of this unrealistic expectation that we would engage at the volume and the duration that our children would like us to do on stuff like that. Um, and then inviting kids into other places, but my son loved Minecraft for a while. And I kid you not that for me, I would watch him. He wanted me to watch him play and I'd watch him and I would get motion sickness. Okay. I get motion sickness really easy, but I would literally feel nauseous. It's like, son of a So I had to figure out, okay, what, how can I engage this part of him, this passion? He wants me to see it. How can I engage it in a way that he Mm -hmm. gets that like experience of feeling seen and and resonated by me, but he also understands that, you know, I have a, I'm not going to be able to sit there and just watch for an hour. And so I would say, I want you to think about one thing you want to show me on Minecraft, one specific thing you want to show me that you do. Is it how you build this thing? Is it how you tear this thing down? I want you to pick a thing. And I want, and, and when, what I would do when he was telling me that is I would stay very present and I would, I would let myself, and I'm not thinking, I'm really going, wait, okay. So did you push control alt? Oh, okay. So what do you push if you want to tear it down? And yeah. I just like ask those questions, give him that sense. And then I would, he would feel from me that like, I took the time to invest. And then he's like, okay, thanks mom. Bye. You know, and then, you know, the rest of the game, yeah. he can be like, look at this. And I'm like, oh, cool. Fine. But he could feel right. I tried. Yeah. No, I, it's yeah. And I think I think it's, you know, the old adage. I don't know if it's old, but the one that I use all the time is that your kids would much rather have all of your attention sometimes than oh, some of your attention. I've never heard it. And I love it. It's so, so good. So. So just like fully focusing and just totally mm. investing and in for five minutes, I think for so many parents, it feels achievable. I, I did this video that went viral. It was like two years ago. And, and I talked about, 
Jacques Pankstaff, who is like the father of, uh, of effective neuroscience, mm -hmm. which people don't understand neuroscience and psychology or behavioral psychology. Mm -hmm. um, the, like these things are like, there's a wall between them academically. Yes. Like you don't, your, your neuroscientists don't look at humans, right. mm -hmm. which I think people really misunderstand. Like neuroscience primarily is studied in the brains rats, of yeah. rats because you can't just like, you can't just like do something to it. Like ethics. It's like for ethical <laughs> yes. reasons. Yeah. Like, like you can't, you can't just like traumatize. I mean, like back in like the day of behaviorism, right. Little, little Albert experience. They would like traumatize kids, just like find out what would happen. But, but like, you can't, you know, do something to, you know, expose an adult yes. for, for 12 hours a day to, to sound and then cut their brain open. Like that's, that's Not really, okay. really unethical and evil. And so, so neuroscience is, is really studied primarily yes. in animals. But there's this guy, Jacques Pankstaff, who studied it in animals, but then adapted it to, to humans. And one of the things that he talked about was, hey, the, if you can give your kids nine minutes mm. a day, but it's focused mm. and it's intentional and it's when they wake up and when they go to bed and, and, and when you reconnect with them after mm -hmm. some sort of distance, if you can just give them those nine minutes in those ways, kids feel securely attached. Amazing. And I made this video and it went viral and people were like, Thank you so much. And other people were like, how dare you say the parents only need to interact with their kids for nine minutes a day? To which I want to say, no, it's it's not that you shouldn't interact more than that. It's that if you are finding it impossible and you want something achievable, yes. do this. And so for you, motion sickness, right? I can do Minecraft <laughs> for three minutes, but I'm going to yes. give you those three minutes and I'm going to invest fully and I'm going to yes. be fully present. I'm going to put my phone yes. in the other room, whatever. That can yep. be massively helpful. And I think the other aspect to this is both of mm. us are in partnerships. And so where can my mm -hmm. partner come in? My wife, my wife has mm -hmm. this ability. I don't know where it comes from. She, she can like almost turn her brain off and do imaginative play with my kids. Wow. My, 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 my husband can she do can it too. And I don't, I don't understand. That's amazing. He can do it. Okay. So he yeah. can like hold yep. the little, she can hold a little Lego guy and be yep. that guy yep. for an hour. She, she, you know, oh, this guy's going over here. Okay, yep. here I come. And like for an hour. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's like, I can do roughhousing, mm -hmm. but she didn't grow up roughhousing. Like this was just family not part culture. of her family culture. Yeah. Like they just didn't do that. And so like when she roughhouses, like even, you know, like being playful with me when we were dating or whatever, she hurts. <laughs> <laughs> she just, she doesn't know the threshold of like, what's, what's you know, you know, cute and affectionate and what's like, <laughs> Oh, that's painful. Um, so she doesn't do roughhousing with my kids that much. Yep. It's just not but really you can. thing. Totally. But I can do yeah, that. My, my husband hour. doesn't want to play dress so, up, but we have an entire closet. And right. like, that is a go time for me. I could do that for a day. Like sure. we could just take turns dressing sure. up and changing our costume and our makeup and our earrings and doing our things. I'm like, I could do that for a whole day. He is like, never, no thanks. And so, yeah, never. Right. So, so I think this is the other aspect, right? Is that secure attachment is no. not just one person. Secure attachment at its, at its best is not only both caregivers, but how do we foster? And I guess that's the next question. How do we foster secure attachment mm -hmm. or help our kids to foster secure attachment? Right. With people outside our family. So the beauty of this is there's, there's a couple of things I want people to hear. Um, the data says that if a child has at least one figure in life who they can securely attach to, who's, who they can utilize as a safe haven for their tender needs and distress and as a secure base from which to launch off of and explore the world, that they will generally develop secure mindsets, secure scripts, and a secure sense of self and way of relating in the world. Okay. But 
that's a lot on one person. <laughs> and that, that means that yep. one person has to have, you know, enough financial stability and a great work environment and all of these things going on in their world that allows them to be regulated enough to offer that to their child. So what works best is a village, right? And so when we are mm. connecting to our children, we also want to be sending the message that they are worthy of connection and, and other people are going to offer them that connection as well. Um, and, you know, it depends on the kid, depends on the timing. But as they, you know, grow, you want to show your children that you have connections with other people and that they can then borrow into those connections mm. and they can see you modeling that you have good friends, that you spend time with your chosen family or your biological family or your adoptive family, whoever it is, but that they could sense, oh, close relationships abound. There are, there are many mm. opportunities, right? As opposed to some of those scarcity or fear mindsets that insecure legacies tend to have, which is like, you know, blood is thicker than mm. water and like nobody else, like it's us against the world kind of vibes. Like, no, close relationships abound. There are so many opportunities to develop like synchronous, symbiotic, playful, dynamic, rich, meaningful relationships in the world. And so I'm doing that and I'm going to model that. And as I do that, you'll begin to do the same. So, so I gotta, I gotta challenge you on that blood mm -hmm. is thicker mm -hmm. than water thing, because do you no, know what that actually from? comes from? Okay. So, so back yes. my background, you know, your, your uh, advanced training is in therapy. My advanced training is in ancient languages yes. and dead cultures. <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> And so, uh, blood is thicker than the water is actually uh, a statement that comes from the concept of religious mm. affiliation and chosen family. So, so it's the blood of the covenant, which is the 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 people the the, the people for whom yes. you feel secure, that you feel like you have common values with, that you feel that you are connected with inside of of deep. Yes. Yes way you know so the blood of the covenant that you have community. with your mm -hmm. friends family community is thicker than the water it's literally been used the exact opposite so, way colloquially so it's actually a right so it's actually a phrase that means the the exact okay, opposite you need to do a video thing. on that and um, the hook needs to be to anyone who has ever had to be estranged from their biological family or lost their biological family and then you need to explain yeah. that because that's that's, that's the truth. Yeah. The truth is the yeah. resonance, right? So who are we resonating with? Who are the people in our life who get us, who show right. up for us, who support us effectively? Those are the relationships that we want to value and dive into and spend time in. And, and we want our kids seeing us do that. And that might be people that might be people related to our womb experience. And it might not. I think oftentimes it's not. I, and I think that that's actually a good thing. You know, I think many of us have, I'm not saying that there's no value to extended family. Don't hear that. But, but I think many of us get into this mindset of like, there, there's a reason evolutionarily that teenagers want to totally mm -hmm. separate from their parents mm -hmm. and want nothing to do with them. And that's that, uh, mm -hmm. don't sleep with your mother. Yes. Don't yes. sleep with your sister. You know what I mean? Like that, that's not going to yes. like be good for the human species. And so, and so it's natural to kind of establish yourself as a person distinctively mm -hmm. outside of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your parents. And so this is why, you know, you have kids when you have a, a, a 
child of a parent who might have a really, really strong value mm -hmm. system one way or another. So the parent really focused on their career. The child mm -hmm. then doesn't want to focus. They, they want mm -hmm. nothing to do with work and career. You have a parent who's very, very indoctrinated into a specific mm -hmm. religious system. The child wants nothing to do with that religious system. You have a, a parent who's really into mm -hmm. this. The child wants, mm -hmm. you know, and so as much as we become mirrors mm -hmm. to the, what the behaviors and the ways of relating to the world that are modeled to us, we also have many ways in which yeah. we separate. And so, I, you know, I, I I'm not mm -hmm. always my best self in relation mm -hmm. to my family members. In fact, I revert a lot of times to a person who is not mm -hmm. the most ideal mm -hmm. version of, of, and most mm -hmm. healed version of me. Um, and so, yeah, that's I really think interesting. That's a helpful, I love I think that that's because I think phrase. that also plays up sort of what we talked about with that third block of repair, um, that, you know, it's not about, Hey kid, you need to follow what I say, become who I think you should be, um, continue to propel my value system into the world. It's yes. I'm here in relationship to you and, and, and we're going right. to evolve together and things are going to change and you are going to reject things that matter to me. Yes. And it's going to hurt. Yes. And I'm going to get freaked out about it. Yes. Right. But if I can continue to repair, then when we hit that rupture where you say, I hate everything about you, you know, Therapists are the worst. I'm never going to therapy. <laughs> you know, that that I can have yeah. that rebound with my child to go, hey, you know what? You've got you've got some knowledge that a lot of people don't have. It's an interesting thing to be the child of a therapist. And I can't wait to watch what happens next and the ways that you're gonna teach me by living in a way that is different than how I lived. Go get them. Yeah. No, I think, yeah. And I think that that's so, you know, that, that takes such confidence yes. as a parent to, 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 and self-assured, you know, just like it, it, the people who are like, why define my role in life as, you know, who, right. who are you? Well, I, I think that how we answer that question mm -hmm. betrays so much. Right. And, and so somebody, some people, you know, I, they immediately mm -hmm. go to what they do or they immediately go mm -hmm. to, well, I'm a parent mm -hmm. of this many kids, or, you know, these are my kids, or they immediately go to, well, you know, this is mm -hmm. my value system, mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm part of this political party or this or that or the other. I think that what's really amazing is when you have a person who's so secure in themselves that they're, yeah. you know, well, I'm me. Like, and then that becomes mm -hmm. the secure base by which your kids can, mm -hmm. can attack, which they will, that yes. person who you are without feeling deeply threatening to, to you. I love it. And I think way. there's also a confidence in connection itself. So I feel mm. I, I have such a strong sense of the power of that attachment and that dynamic there that I can trust as it stretches and it moves and it shifts because I know it's there. Like I, I trust it. I know that even if my child is in a stage or a space where they are choosing everything possible opposite of how I've lived. That's a very stretchy bond. It's okay. And, and, and I'm going to, we're going to, well, we will, yeah. one of the phrases I say to my husband and I say to my kids is whatever we go through, we go through together. We'll figure it out. Right. Like, well, and I think that's, I mean, that's a perfect segue, but, but I think, I mean, this is, and I don't, I, yeah, we're not going to take the the podcast completely. I okay. want, I have one more okay. question for you that I really want to ask, but, but I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to leave this where, you know, without saying, you know, this is, this is one of the, the fruits of, of the mirrored is, you know, modeled as mirrored thing is that 
So, so I was raised in a household and, and this is not to discount. I, I know many people who are separated or divorced from their partners and it's the best mm-hmm. possible thing for their kids. And that's really, really healthy. And it's, and, and the alternative was really unhealthy. People in my family, people, you yes. know, outside of my family for whom mm-hmm. this was really important. Um, I will also say that the fact that both of my wife, my wife and I both come from, from parents who, who are, were together for my parents were together for, Oh, I can't even remember the number of years, I think over 40 Mm -hmm. years or close to it because Mm -hmm. then my dad passed away. And then, and then my, my wife's parents are still together for us. The idea that in the midst of like a marital Mm -hmm. conflict, that that would be Mm -hmm. the end of the marriage that we would separate, that we would divorce. I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm saying that that's never Mm. at the front of our mind. That's never the Mm -hmm. first result or the first, you know, this Mm -hmm. is what's going to happen as a result. Um, And in my mind, it's, it's, it is impossible. I only say that it's not impossible because I'm not trying to, you know, put myself on some sort of pedestal, right. And that, that it's, that it would never be. Yeah. We're all human, but in my mind, it's, it seems impossible to me. And so because of that, I approach conflicts Mm -hmm. completely differently. And I think that's the same thing with kids. If you, if you really truly look at this as, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be there for you in forever. Mm -hmm. And, and, and even if you totally reject all Mm -hmm. of my values and you don't practice Mm -hmm. the same religion, you don't support the same political parties. I'm still going to just love the absolute mess out of you. I'm going to unconditionally love you. If you approach parenting that way, you're not going to be nearly as threatened when they rebel and when they reject, because ultimately you know that the ball's in your court. And and I say conflict in a secure dynamic is an opportunity for discovery. And yes, so what, what is here? What does it mean? What does it mean about me? What does it mean about you? What does it mean about us? What does it mean about the environment we're in? And, and when we, when we view conflict out of a trauma lens, conflict is often viewed as the yes. opportunity for loss or abandonment or abuse. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and this goes back to yes. that second box, which is you have to unpack your own childhood and your own stuff to be able to know that about yourself. You know, in my in my family, yes. conflict was an uh, opportunity to throw feces. And in my husband's family, conflict mm. was an opportunity to shut down and and totally like super wasp vibes. We're not going to say anything. We're just going to move on and we're not we're going to avoid. Um, and so like we both come into right. conflict then with the baggage of that. And then if we hadn't done our work, we'd be mm-hmm. carrying that on with our kids. So when my kid is so upset right. that he's like, you're mean, mom, you know, my son was mad the other night because I was going to read to his sisters before him. And he wrote me this note and I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was something <laughs> along the line. Oh no, I do. It said, mom, you are the worst capital worst exclamation points on red crayon. And he delivered it up on another thing. And in my unresolved trauma state, I probably would have really panicked about that, right? Had I not done the years and years of therapy work I did on myself, that would have activated the little girl in me. That's like, oh, you're mad at me. I broke it. I broke it. I have to fix it. But instead it's like, he's tired. Yeah. He's expressing himself in an eight year old's, you know, capacity for co- conflict. Um, yeah. How awesome that he trusts me that he can send me a note and says, you are the worst and knows that like, he's not going to be penalized. He's not going to be in harm's way. He's not going to break our relationship. Um, and I knew that by the next morning, yeah. he'd be like, mom, <laughs> we'd be fine. And, you know, we talked it and we acknowledged right. but like that sense of 
conflict is where we will discover something together. It is not a threat to our connection. It's a opportunity for our growth. I love it. Well, yeah. Well, so, so this one more metaphor before we, before I ask you my last question, but, but it's the, it's the Mm -hmm. fertilizer, right? Mm -hmm. So like the, the fertilizer for anybody who who knows anything about growing things, which I I know very little, but again, in my study of ancient cultures, (laughs) agricultural metaphors are abound. And so you have to kind of know them. Um, But you know, you have to like fertilizer is, is this invaluable resource. Uh, It's also Mm -hmm. poop Mm -hmm. that smells Mm -hmm. really bad. Yes. Like, and, and, and it might be the thing that your, that your relationship needs to grow. And I think sometimes, you know, I, I look at many relationships that fail, adult relationships that fail. And a lot of times why they fail is because they, yeah, there's, no there's no intimacy, like yeah. the conflict, there's, there's no, no growth. Inter- there's no vulnerability. So there's no conflict mm-hmm. there's no growth. And so like, man, if, if I'm still fighting well with my kids and my partner, You're, like, yeah. That that means yeah. we're still growing. Love it. Okay, so so kind of getting to the, I, I want to get to here before we before we sign off. I, I we know. could just talk all day, but before we sign off, uh, two two quick things. Um, how do I know if my child is securely attached, or how do I know if my child is displaying things that indicate that they may not be securely attached? Mm-hmm. How, how can I determine that mm-hmm. as a parent? I'm anxious. I'm watching attachment nerd. I'm watching whole parent. And I know a secure attachment is important, but I don't know if my kid's securely attached. How do I know? So depending on the age of your child, this is going to look really different. When children are really small, so like zero to 18 months, the gold standard of assessing this is what does your child do in response to distress? And I don't mean exhaustion, hunger. I mean like straight up, I'm scared. I'm panicked. Something is activating my urge to find safety. So in those moments, does your child run to you, cling to you, and find relief in being close in proximity to you? That is a secure response to distress. Um, If a child in that age does not run towards you, but instead tries to shut their body down and focus on distracting themselves with toys, that's a sign of avoidance. And the reason that they're avoiding Hmm. you, you in that moment isn't because they don't have an attachment to you. It's because they have learned that the most effective way to regulate themselves is not to activate you because you might dismiss them Hmm. or you might add anxiety to the moment for them. And so that's their coping mechanism. Um, A child who seeks you out, clings to you, but doesn't soothe. So they, they protest, you pick them up and they're angry at you, angry because you don't reliably show up for them. That's why they sense that you can and you have, and they've tasted the goodness of those moments when you have, but you are, you're intermittently available at such a volume. You talked about averages at such a volume. And this is, has to be a pretty high volume that they don't know whether or not this is the last time they're going to get that type of support and attention from you. And so they're going to stay in distress. We call it protest in the research in order to maintain contact with you and your attention as long as they possibly can, because they have a sense that it won't last. Okay. 
And this is something that they're doing over like, cause, cause I think all of us have had the experience of picking up a kid who doesn't want to be picked up, but no. this is, this is something that they're doing in response to distress. Yes. Over and, and, and over it, again, and over. it's this not anger. It's not time. anger. It's not, Hey, you can't have the popsicle. That's not distress. It's like, I'm scared. I'm legit scared. Like a stranger came into the room and they look nefarious. And I'm like, where's my, where's my dad? Where's my mom? That level of distress. So it's really important because, and again, that's why I said it's not being tired. It's not being hungry. Our kids push up against us and protest and have tantrums and get angry at us. That is not a sign of insecure attachment. So the real, that's actually yes, a sign there's of insecure expression of, of all states of regulation and dysregulation. Yeah. Um, as kids get older, it's a little trickier to see because they become more competent at keeping themselves safe. So they are less reliant in those moments on our arms as shelter from, you know, the oncoming danger, whatever that would be, incoming danger. Um, so what we're really looking for is our behavior. Am I emotionally grounded? Am I able to contain my emotional reactions and support my child when they are in theirs? Am I emotionally available? Right. And this, this, you know, am I mm. present in such a way that my children can tell that I actually really do want to be there for them in these moments of tenderness and joy? Am I emotionally receptive when they bring their feelings? Am I mm. able to allow my nervous system to take that sip so that they can feel that they've been felt by me, that their inner state has entered my inner state and they are now connected to me in this emotional moment. Um, and then what are my mindsets? Mm about needs and tenderness. So mm. if I have a mindset that says, uh, when my kid cries for a long time, they're being spoiled and selfish, my child will not have a secure experience with me because they won't be able to fully express their dysregulation without shame. If I have a mindset that says, I am going to do my best to be here for you, to provide structure for you, to provide support for you. If I can hold boundaries, even though you don't want them or like them, then your children will experience security with you. Um, do I believe I'm worthy of love and care and support? If I don't believe that, it's real hard to offer it to my kids. Right? So. Man. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the challenge over here at the, at the, at the whole parent mm -hmm. house, to be honest, right there. You just nailed it. Right. Which is, which is, you know, one of my constant things the, so in my book, I right now at least I have a quote at Love the it. beginning of each chapter, and and I and I only have one quote that's mm. from me, but I had to have my own quote, which is "You cannot give to your kids Love what it. you cannot give to yourself," and 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 that's that's really and maybe somebody has said that before. Well, I just, all things have been said before. Sure all things have been said before in some way, shape, or not co-opting somebody. Yes. Yeah, but but I mean that's I think that's such a struggle for so many of us in in our you know and this kind of gets back to the very first question of, of how do we do these things yeah. when we haven't received them? But it sounds like our attachment relationships with our kids actually Absolutely. can heal us too, provided that we're not you know our job with our kids is not for them to heal us, but it's a very our beautiful attachments byproduct. with our children provide an incredibly ripe opportunity to heal our attachment wounds, mm. and it is not our children who heal yeah. us. It's our, it's, it's ourselves and it's the other caring, safe witnesses in our life, grownups, partners, community members, family members, therapists, and the experience between right. us and them, right? It's that in between that is healing. Um, and it is not our children offering us the kind of love we never felt from our parents. That doesn't work. 
like that, right? It is, but it is us recognizing through our parental role that there are places that are unresolved in our hearts and our bodies and our minds and our inner scripts, and then actively doing the work to get care for ourselves. And the more care we give for ourselves, the more instinctive it is to give that care to our kids. The more sturdy it is. That's a beautiful yeah. place. That's a beautiful place for us to kind of wrap this and and just to say if people want yes. your assistance and how they can care, you know, receive that care and learn to 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 seek out that care, those therapeutic relationships for themselves, heal their attachment wounds, get your book learn more from you, hear all the podcasts that you're on. If you're not on enough, you need to be on more. <laughs> this was you. fantastic. Uh, how, where, how, how can they find you? Uh, yes. attachment nerd? Well, the easiest one-stop shop would be to go to attachmentnerd.com and you can kind of link to all the things there, books, courses, classes, I have a membership, all the things that would potentially meet your needs. Um, and the, there's a link there also for attachmentlabs.com, which is a group of um, coaches and therapists that I have brought under my wing and have trained up over the years. Honestly, some of them have been with me for almost a decade um, to offer support to anyone who is wanting to learn more secure patterns and to heal the past. Um, And then if you already have a therapist, go grab my book because you can just take that bad dog right into therapy and say, can we work through this together? I designed it for that exact purpose because a lot of therapists know a little about attachment awesome. and want to help their clients, but um, have not been as strangely obsessed as I have. So I feel like I could just put that in a workbook and hand it out. That's awesome. So they can get all this at attachmentnerd.com, which will be linked in the show notes as well as a link to your book. Uh, Eli, thank you so much for being on the whole parent podcast. It has truly been a delight. Thank you for having for me. All of us. Love this. Friends, that is our episode for today. Thank you so much again to Eli, who uh, was so gracious with her time, spending a long time with us talking about attachment. It is what she is so passionate about. As I said before, you can find her information in the show notes, links to her book and also her website. Um, But if you're looking for more information about Whole Parent, if you're looking for information about the membership or uh, recent courses that we've had, you can also find that in the show notes. We just did an awesome workshop not too long ago. And so uh, please go overhead to my Stan Store link and you will find all of the amazing information as well as a link to my email. Uh, my email is the best place to get. So that was my little guy walking in in the back. My link to my email is uh, the place to get all of these uh, amazing insights about the things that are happening. This is so funny. He just keeps walking in behind me. Um, insights into the things that are happening. I send out an email every single Thursday that is just packed full of parenting information. It's like a blog post that's delivered right to your email inbox. And it also lets you know what the podcast topic was for that week often. Um upcoming workshops, like I said, that you'd be able to find in that stand store link as well. Uh, and anything else related to all parents. So if you're not joining the email list yet, please go over to that stand store link. It's the first link that you'll see at the top of the show notes, click on it, enter your name and your email, and you'll be signed up. It's totally free. I'm not going to just be haranguing you constantly with sales emails. If I have something going on, I might send you an email and let you know, uh, if I think it would be beneficial for you, but, but this is really just an opportunity for you to grow as a parent. And so that's what I do with that email. And yeah, I'm sure you're going to absolutely love it. Until next time, this has been the Whole Parent Podcast and I'll catch you next week.